And welcome back to Happier Here, a podcast with Lauren Bergert. I'm your host, Lauren, and welcome to episode 12, y'all. I am so excited for today's guest. We have Topher Elliott here, y'all. Topher is a 19-year-old singer, songwriter, artist, and activist currently residing in Iowa as a person they love to get real in life and in music. He appreciates all music, but with his own, hopes to bring a new, authentic, and raw edge. He loves nature, animals, especially his cat Jasper, but when it comes to helping others, well, they like to help people. They are beyond looking forward to open up and share a little of his story today, hoping that this can help to educate some or help others feel less alone. Make music, make peace, and make love. Y'all, I am so excited for y'all to meet Topher. Topher has been near and dear to my heart for so many years now, and I'm excited for y'all to meet him. So without further ado, let's just get right into it, y'all. All right, Topher, welcome to the podcast. I'm so happy to have you here. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Oh my goodness, of course. Well, why don't we just start with you telling us a little bit about who you are, what you do, and we'll go from there. Awesome. Okay, so hi, everybody listening. My name's Topher Elliott. I am a singer-songwriter currently residing in the Quad Cities. I was in Des Moines for a little bit um, for some school, but that wasn't the best path for me. So now here we are just trying to get my life situated and work on my music, work on myself, get some of that money saved up so we can... Go wherever feels best for me. I love that. Um, you are incredible. Why don't you tell us a little bit about your songs, your music, how you like found your passion for music? Because we met doing theater together years ago. Uh, so I know that little part of it, but like what else has, has kind of inspired you to like do music? Oh my gosh. Okay. So music has always been such a huge part of my life for so many different reasons. Um, It started off when I was a little kid, actually, Um, and this is like totally random fact, but I was a little bit late to start talking when I was like a baby, like toddler. Um, And so in order to like my parents to try to help, like get me to talk and communicate, Mm -hmm. music was like a huge like thing. And so I communicated with sign language, actually, when I was a kid, like still Mm -hmm. trying to like figure out how to talk. Um, But then as soon as I could talk, I started singing Um, and my parents have like a CD because they burned a recording onto a CD of me at like two years old singing Once Upon a December from Anastasia. Oh my goodness, I love that. And so from then on, it was just, I had this fascination with music, but Mm -hmm. it wasn't until I got older that I realized, you know, that was something that you could actually do. Yeah, that it's not just a hobby that you have to, you know, sit and sing to yourself in the shower, but I can actually, you know, do that outside mm-hmm. um, and provide that to other people. And then, you know, getting even older and having mental health issues and just coming of age issues, just yeah. any standard teenage issue, um, finding music and songs that I related to. And that I could find myself in, or that could be a comfort to me Mm -hmm. or losing people um, either like just in life because they walk out or something happens or losing family members Mm -hmm. um, to just have those songs there. And that really, really turned me on to music even more because 
having something that you can help people with is like amazing. Having two medical parents, a firefighter father and a nurse mom, mm-hmm. like if I wasn't going to do music, I was probably going to do something medical Yeah, because, you know, I just love helping people and I've always kind of been brought up that way. Mm-hmm. So I don't know. I'm just, I love that part of music and that aspect of music. And that's a huge thing that I hope to bring to my music um, when I start recording and getting my stuff out there is just that raw, true music that can help people. You know? Yeah, that's amazing. Oh my goodness. I have like chills just thinking about like, even like the songs or like the artists or the albums that are like my go-to when I'm like having a bad day or like just in that right. mood, like music is so powerful. And like you said, like it does help people. And like knowing that your mom's a nurse and your dad's a firefighter, like they kind of have like that I don't know, like their, their role kind of includes like a physical sense of helping people. Like you can see, you can see the outcome of their work. And sometimes in music, like we don't always know, like, oh, who's listening to the song? How did the song impact this person? And so like, just to know that like, that is like your intent of going into this is like incredible. There's so many celebrities and singers out there that I think are just trying to conform to like societal standards and get the most views and listens and streams and not really thinking about like the impact or intent that their music may like have on individuals. So I think that's just amazing. You're so, so amazing. What do you think like is one of the, like, I don't know, like biggest, I don't, I don't want to say like, biggest like life change or life experience that like brought you to music. But I know you said like you've, you've struggled with mental health and, um, you know, lost people and all of that. Like, what is there any like big moment that you were like, okay, now I know I need to start writing music. Like this is what like I need to do. Or was it just kind of like a cluster of a ton of things? Um, honestly, it really started, well, I started writing my music mm-hmm. um, just kind of as an outlet as a kid, as a 12, 13 year old. Okay. Um, my parents were going through a divorce at the time. And prior to the divorce, um, you know, we'd have the occasional fight or whatever, or they would. And, you know, those things are hard to talk about, especially as a kid who was, you know, internally struggling with their gender identity and their sexuality um, and wanting to pursue arts, but being in a country school where arts was not an option. And, you know, it was already weird enough being a boy in choir, let alone be a singer full time. Right. Like that's, that's not a thing. And so already struggling with all of that stuff, it's hard to approach these bigger issues Mm -hmm. with people. Um, And so I tried to with friends or school counselors, um, but school counselors didn't, they didn't care um, at my old school. Um, They pushed a lot of stuff under the rug and ignored a lot of the stuff. wouldn't even give the kids a slap on the wrist because it, it wasn't an issue. Um, and I was the problem. Yeah. So I kind of had to turn inwards and away. Um, but I didn't want to bottle it up or I guess subconsciously, I didn't want to bottle it up. Right. And my mom had always journaled, but I kind of fell in love with poetry and rhyming and such. So um, my kind of outlet channeled like that. And I realized, you know, this kind of is like a song. This could be yeah. a song. 
and rearranging stuff. And then I kind of found my passion of songwriting and turned into that. And my grandma to this day still gets mad at me. She's like, why are all of your songs so sad? Write a happy <laughs> one one of these days. <laughs> and I'm like, grandma, it's just my outlet. That's right. where most creativity flows. Yeah, That's awesome. I love that. Uh, grandmas always have like the funniest like comebacks about everything. It's so funny. Right. <laughs> um, I... I'm thankful that you brought up the experience of going to school in conservative Iowa, good old Iowa. Um, yeah, we were we were on different sides. I was on the Davenport side. You were on the Bettendorf side. Um, we've had a lot of people from the Quad City on this podcast, but um, I guess kind of like what was your experience? Because over the time I've known you, and that's been like my goodness, like six, seven, eight years now, I have seen you just like grow and blossom in your identity and finding out who Topher is. It's been so cool to watch like from the outside. And I mean, I only saw you like a couple times a week when we were doing shows with each other, but I know there's been like a really big, um, like you said, like coming of age, learning like who you are and in your identity. And so kind of like, what was that experience of finding your gender identity and sexual identity in conservative Iowa? Like, I imagine that's not easy at all. Right. So um, when I started school, I actually started on the Illinois side, um, technically in the Quad Cities, I guess, um, but outskirts of Milan. Yeah. and so that was like real, real conservative. Like next to our football field was a corn farm and nope. cows. Yeah. And it smelled like manure. Mm-hmm. And it was crazy. I had a 70 kid class. Oh my goodness. Yep. Um, and it was insane. So yeah. being queer or anything really wasn't even an option. Yeah. We actually did have one gay guy um that was when I was when I was in sixth grade he was a senior um and his um parents sent him to conversion therapy and they also sent him to the church um and had a priest try to do an exorcism on him to get rid of the gay demon oh my goodness that's the most Iowa thing I've ever heard in my life oh my goodness that was kind of the only, the only queer person I had to look up to. Yeah. And it was not a good experience. No. Um, so even before I thought of coming out, because I didn't even really think of that as an option. Yeah. Um, in the back of my mind, there was always that fear of, well, if I was gay, whatever that is, yeah. you know, it's not a good thing. Yeah. So when I moved because my parents got a divorce Mm -hmm. I moved over to the Iowa side and I went like full full stereotypical out of a movie like gay guy it was tight pink pants yeah and a tight polo and a cardigan over my shoulders yeah and I was changing my voice and talking really high and it was just very aggressively feminine Mm -hmm. and that is not to say that there's anything wrong with men who present themselves that way however in my heart of hearts even though I do absolutely have femininity and now identify as gender non-conforming and use Mm -hmm. he they I I still don't you know feel as though that 
persona necessarily fit me. Right, right. Um, but I went completely extreme, just the opposite way of what I had been because the heteronormativity had been ingrained in me, the camouflage and the hunting and the sports. Yeah. And so as soon as I had the slight taste of freedom, I wanted to go to the complete opposite end. Yeah. Um, but I was still in the Quad Cities. Yeah. And so even though Bettendorf was bigger and better, mm-hmm. better dwarf, um, we, I still had problems. Yeah. I still had issues. And I think that over-dramatization of me, that kind of caricature of mm-hmm. a queer person, because that was all I saw in the media at the time. Right. Um, it kind of set me up for failure in a way mm-hmm. because I was kind of putting a target on my back mm-hmm. and it was okay for a while but then I had an instance my freshman year of high school that really um, was kind of crazy yeah, and yeah. Um, put things into perspective that you know no matter where you go there's always going to be problems and there's always going to be those people and that's just yeah. going to kind of have to be a thing that you have to deal with yeah um, but during our lunch a kid in the cafeteria covered a piece of provolone cheese in um, glittery pink lip gloss from Claire's stood up on one of the lunch tables um, and yelled the f slur and then threw the piece of cheese covered in lip gloss at me and it hit my face and because it was covered in the lip gloss, it stuck to my face. Mm-hmm. And then the table of his friends all stood up and were yelling the F slur and like pointing and laughing. And like the whole cafeteria was just staring at me. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And it was just really crazy because I was just so caught off guard by it, especially because it was people that I'd never talked to yeah. Yeah. Um, in my entire time of being there. And just, I was also overwhelmed because I went from a class of 70 to a class of 470. Yeah, yeah. Times four for the entire high school. Right, right. So it was just overwhelming by how many people were witnessing what just happened. Yeah. Um, But also by how little anybody did. Yeah, that was going to be my next question. Like, what was the response of everyone? Just kind of like head down, not pay attention or? Um, Yeah, people turned around when they heard the yelling. Mm -hmm. Um, A couple people kind of, you could see them gasp or their physical reaction to when they saw the um, pink cheese hit my face. Um, but kind of after that happened and the group of boys laughter died down, people went back to their conversations and finishing lunch. Um, and I had to walk over to our security officer and just be like, Hey, can we, can we do something about this? Right. Um, Nothing happened to the boys at the table. The boy that threw the cheese, he mm-hmm. got one day of in-school suspension. Hmm. I just like have no words. Like it's, 
it's crazy. And I'm so sorry you had to deal with that like that. And I know that was probably just one of the many incidences at Bettendorf, but that is just crazy. Like, it's like how, and I had someone, I couldn't even remember off the top of my head who I had on the podcast that we were talking about this with, but it's like in Iowa and really any like super conservative town or city, it's so hard to be your true authentic self because of the closed-minded individuals that are there. And then also the just just bystanders that never want to stand up and are scared to say anything or scared to help you. And like, there were literal like adults there. There were teachers there. There were security guards and they did nothing. Like that makes me sick to my stomach. And then it's like, oh, well, I wonder why like you are feeling so alone. Like, yeah, this is my freaking experience. Like you guys are supposed to be doing something and no one's doing anything. Like, oh my goodness. And like, what did you, what happened after that? Like, how would, how did you even process all of that? Like, I wouldn't even know where to go. Like what, what did you do? How were your parents? Like what, what was the aftermath? Um, I didn't tell my dad for probably eight months. Wow. Um, just because I wasn't sure what his reaction would be. Um, and I just, I don't know, kind of, I just didn't want it to be a bigger thing than it already was. Yeah. It had already happened and it sucked at the time. And I just kind of, once it was done, I just wanted it to be over with. Yeah. And I knew that if he would have found out in the moment, um, he would have just been really upset and wanted to fight for me, which I appreciate um, because, you know, even though him and I have had some struggles in the past, yeah, I am like happy that, you know, he has come around and has grown and we are at a better place now. I'm not going to say perfect because, you know, I don't know if we'll ever get there or, you know, I mean, and that's really not even achievable, Yeah, um, but it is better. And I do appreciate that that's there, but I know that he would have at that point went and wanted to fight for me. Yeah. But I just, I just wanted to let it lie. Yeah. Um, and I told my mom right away and she was upset, but she was kind of in a similar place as most people when I tell them of just, you know, what do you say? What do you do? Like that it's just such a crazy experience that you kind of only read about or you see in the movies, but you you don't think things like that are still happening, let alone going to happen to you. Right. But it really makes you want to go back in your shell and really want to hide down and dim your light. Mm -hmm. And no, everybody in my life has always don't let anybody tell you that you can't be nothing or yeah always be who you are and always stay true to yourself and be you which I appreciate and I obviously love that support yeah but from an outside perspective the thing that the people don't see is it's a safety risk yep yep being being here I I can't be myself I have to put on a mask because when I go out on the street, when I would walk to school before I had my car, I was scared, shaking, walking to school every day. I had kids in upper grades that were driving 
they'd go to the gas station and they'd buy like a big gulp of pop. Mm -hmm. So when they drive by while I was walking home, they could throw like a 32 ounce styrofoam cup at me. Yeah. It got to the point to where my dad wanted me to carry a brick in my book bag to school every day. So if that happened, that I could throw something back. Yeah. And just like having to like run home or keep my head down in the hallways, not say anything or not stand up for myself because if I stand up for myself, I have a group of 10 guys on the football team yep. against me. And even though, you know, I'm stronger than I might look, I, I can't take on 10 people who right. are no, lifting weights every day. Yeah. And so it's, it's scary. It's really, it's really frightening. And I'm sure, you know, you have similar experiences just right. being a woman and being a person of color, just mm-hmm. having these fears of yeah. when you walk out of those doors not knowing what's going to happen to you because you're a minority and just not looking like everybody else, you have that target on your back. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. It's so crazy. Like I literally, like you're saying these things and it's like, I I can picture it. I know exactly what it looks like. It just is screaming Iowa at me, but like, I know there will be some people that, you know, got the privilege to grow up in really liberal spaces where they felt like they were able to, you know, like embody their, identity explore different identities kind of come to realize themselves at a really young age and that's so amazing I wish everyone had that experience but I know you're going to say this and they're going to be people that are like oh my gosh like like you said stuff like this really happens like that sounds like straight out of a movie but like you guys like I promise this is real life like it's crazy and it's just and it sucks to even like say these words right now, but it's still happening today. There are Mm -hmm. still so many kids of color, queer kids, anything that doesn't fit the white heteronormative standard living in these places that are not able to be true to themselves or stand up for themselves because there's not going to be any repercussions for these just ignorant kids. So it's, it's crazy. It's really crazy. You mentioned your dad. I wanted to ask a little bit more about your dad because I I know your family and your dad is very much like a manly man. Like I know like he would take you hunting. Like you have like your dad is like your dad is a sweetheart. I love your dad, but he's like your typical like Iowa man. Like let's go hunting. Let's go to these things. Like how was his reaction to you coming out? How has your guys's relationship shifted? How um, how has that been? If you feel like comfortable talking about that. Yeah. Um, so I, when I came to the realization that I was queer, sisters first, um, and then about a month later, I came up to my mom mm-hmm. and she was like, oh, honey, I know. <laughs> That's the most your mom thing I've ever heard. I can totally just picture her saying that. That's so funny. <laughs> And I was like, okay, thank you, Jenny. I thought this was going to be like a bigger moment. Like, oh I, my thought, like I thought I was going to get the movie like coming out. She was going to like cry and be like, I love you so much. Like, it's okay. Yeah. Yeah. Her just being like, oh, I know. I was like, I know. What do you want for dinner? <laughs> right. I was like, okay. Yeah. But I didn't come out to my dad for another year. Oh, wow. So after you're telling your mom and your sisters, you didn't come out for another year after that? Okay. Yeah. Um, Because I was so so scared. 
um, you know, he'd, he'd make comments occasionally or say things. And, you know, I would always justify it. I would always say, well, he's lived here his entire life. Mm-hmm. He, he grew up in this small town and he stayed in the small town and yeah. this is how he was raised and blah, 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 blah. Um, but when I started thinking about my own sexuality, even though I wasn't out to him or even really out to myself, yeah. when he would say those comments, it felt like he was saying them right to me. Mm-hmm. And so I was, was very afraid. Um, and we had a couple moments of just butting heads with um, my femininity at a young age. Mm-hmm. He always did sports and he was in Boy Scouts. And so I did sports and I did Boy Scouts. Mm-hmm. Um, and he hunted and went fishing. And so I hunted and went fishing and he worked on cars. And so I did the same. Yeah. Um, and so when I started doing theater, I was just kind of nervous about that because that was breaking the norm of what he did. Um, but when I thought about coming out and started being more feminine and expressing myself more truly, mm-hmm. that was that was when I got even more scared. Yeah. Um, because theater I can quit yeah he gets really upset at theater that's okay I, I can stop doing theater and never do it again and I'll go back to sports and shut my mouth and you know whatever but with this kind of thing it's not something that I can just stop and quit and take away yeah and so I was a lot more afraid for him to find this out mm-hmm. Um, and we had moments where I, I wore makeup. I was wearing mascara to school and he got in my face one night and was like, what do you have on your face? Why are you, why are you wearing that stuff on your eyes? Blah, 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 blah. Mm -hmm. And I started sobbing and I realized that I wasn't crying because he was yelling at me. I was crying because I had been wearing that same eye makeup every day for the past six months. Yeah. And that was the first time he noticed because that was the first time he'd actually looked me in the eyes and talked to me. Mm. Wow. And so that was just really stressful. And that was before I came out. And so it's like, if he's this upset at me wearing some mascara, like, I don't know what he's going to think about me liking guys yeah and I finally came out and to to my face he was very very happy um and supportive and put on the show of the supporting dad Mm -hmm. um but I found out later from my mom that that wasn't the case uh behind the scenes yeah and that she got blamed for it because she would rearrange the house with me and we would watch Chopped together and HGTV together and the Cupcake Wars. Yeah. And my sisters would do my makeup or dress me up when I was three years old. Yeah. 
And so all of these things had corrupted me. And my dad hadn't spent enough time with me to make me into a man. Yeah. And so I didn't find that out for a while. Um, but when I did, it, it kind of reinforced why I waited so long to come out. Yeah. And now I, you know, I'm not going to lie and say he hasn't come around because he has, I, I'll do drag occasionally and he'll ask to try on a wig or (laughs) he'll put on a pair of my heels and jump around and come to every single one of my shows every single one front row every time (laughs) right and so he's always been there and he's always posted me on his Facebook and being a dorky dad and (laughs) he's better now but it was hard for a really long time because for so long all he knew was the straight white country bumpkin living yeah and I had to break him out of it but I think once he saw his child Mm -hmm. as a queer person and then being the target of the homophobic things that would happen or just the crazy whatever things that would happen yeah it kind of put a different perspective on things because he could see how much damage it was doing to the person yeah because that person was his kid mm-hmm. and like I said now he's one of my biggest supporters and we still butt heads once in a while and you know I don't think that he would necessarily wear my closet or dye his hair purple or get a septum pierced but he's definitely super supportive of it now and I I thank him for that and I appreciate his growth and you know it does it does show that you know you can teach an old dog new tricks (laughs) absolutely yeah it's 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 definitely a growing experience and um I think the cool thing about your dad though is you like you said he was open to learning and he it wasn't easy it wasn't this movie experience of everyone being happy and crying and excited, but it took years of growth and learning and he's still going to have to go through that. But I think that's kind of the beautiful thing, right? Like we, we can see, like you said, teach an old dog new tricks. Like it's not the, I hate the excuse of like, well, yeah, they're just, they grew up in a different era. Like they just don't understand, like, no, everyone can learn. We can all grow and like start to understand that, you know, things are shifting. People are starting to feel more comfortable in so many different things. So, um, that's awesome. And I, I just adore your family. Like I would always love to see your dad at performances. Like it's so rare to ever even see men in theater, but to see like support of like family and your dad was just like always so close. Like, this is awesome. Like I know it was never perfect, but it was just so awesome to see him like always cheering you on. Right. Definitely weird for me though, to see a man in all camo or a harley shirt and a mullet with a (laughs) dip in his lip sitting in their front row cheering on his son playing preppy stud and heathers (laughs) yeah how did you feel like because you you've played some some roles you've had you've had some parts like how has that been to like play I'm thinking heathers was the first thing that came to my mind but like how has it been to like portray these different roles and stuff and like introduce your dad to the world of theater because that's a whole another different universe too so insane (laughs) in 
insane. Um, I don't know if I can say this on here. Oh, you can say whatever you want. Every awesome. Okay. Well, I was just in a production of Spring Awakening in the mm-hmm. Quad Cities, and my role consisted of a masturbation scene, mm-hmm. a circle jerk scene. Um, there so many things just happen in that show alone. Um, but those, those are kind of the two mains that I'm a part of mm-hmm. and having your parents in the audience for a masturbation scene mm-hmm. is very intimidating yeah. and scary. Mm-hmm. Um, also quite uncomfortable. So uncomfortable. <laughs> I, you know, I'm trying to do the role and the part and the scene justice, but just in the back of my mind, like I knew, like my mom is sitting there, <laughs> like this poor woman. And then, and then they invited my grandmother. So yep. she, she was there and I was like, my grandma is watching her cutie patootie masturbate on stage Mm -hmm. yeah it was just so crazy but also in such a weird way liberating and freeing yeah yeah to just who cares you know this is this is theater this is life this is what happens who you know whatever it was it was so weird but so fun and exhilarating at the same time (laughs) my mom said afterwards I was a little bit uncomfortable at first (laughs) but once I got past that it was really funny (laughs) oh my goodness I love that yeah especially when we bring the grandparents in like that that's when you know it's, it's getting real it's getting so real yeah it's it's wild and yeah, for those of you who have not done theater and have had to do insane things in front of your family, like you have never, you've never experienced being uncomfortable until you have to go through that. Like it's, and even if it's not you, like if there's just someone else in the show that has to like say like a crazy line or like has to like have sex with someone on stage, like I'm sitting here thinking like my 70 year old grandma is watching this right now. Like what is going through her mind? But after every show, they're always like, I'm so proud of you. That was so good. I'm like, did we experience the same show? Like, right? <laughs> like I'm happy you enjoyed my performance. I'm happy you were able to overlook these things. Right. However, I do feel like a conversation is due <laughs> to talk about everything you've witnessed right like do we need to process anything before we leave here like are we good a little group therapy session (laughs) oh my goodness yeah no it's 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 insane but it is like you said like so liberating to be able to and it's weird like people always ask me like how how was your experience in theater like did you like it and it's like theater was the only place that I felt like I could be my authentic self while playing a what is it fictional character like right it's like I'm not even like I'm not even being myself but I have never felt more like alive and free in my entire life like it's such a weird experience and I feel like you like I'm never able to like articulate it to someone that has never been in theater so do you feel like theater also kind of help you come to realize like this is who I am and 
come to more of the realization of your identity? 100 percent yeah at at first it was kind of a comfort blanket because mm-hmm. I could step away from everything happening yeah step away from the craziness at school or the fights at home or the grandpa dying of Alzheimer's yeah or my mental health stuff that I was dealing with or my self-confidence issues that I were dealing with yeah. and I could step away and Buddy the Elf doesn't have these problems. Smee and Peter Pan doesn't have these problems. Yeah. Preppy Stud doesn't have these problems. Yeah. Pilot 2 doesn't have these problems. Yeah. Yeah. So it was just such a relief to be somebody other than myself Mm -hmm. and to just play. Yeah. And have fun and kind of experience just a little bit of youth and childhood because being in such intense situations at school all the time or at home and then having my parents be divorced and having a dad who was a firefighter so he was gone every third day yeah and a mom who would work and sisters that were grown so I was by myself all the time like raising myself part of the time and so You know, even though I did do the sports and the kids theater, I didn't have a ton of time to be a kid. Yeah. I didn't have a ton of time to just be youthful and play. And so I'm definitely trying to do a lot of that now. Yeah. This TikTok would say healing my inner child. Right. (laughs) Um, But that was something that I loved being on the stage and being able to play and have fun and be youthful and dance around and be silly and goofy. Yeah. So I did a lot of that for a while and partially because I was in the younger cast. So I was doing the kids shows. I was doing Little Mermaid and Jungle Book and everything. Um, But then as I got older and got into the high school group and got to do shows like Heathers and Les Mis and Spring Awakening and being able to channel a lot of the stuff that I'm going through into this and have this as an outlet for me to be somebody completely different and have no connection to myself at all but at the same time be processing and working through so many things because I have finally a place to just let it all out in a way that I never could before yeah it's amazing and we we both did high school theater like at our high schools but I I honestly feel like I it was such a different experience there than it was being at the center so the center for living arts was where we did community theater and that was I think until this day I don't remember who I was talking to about this but to this day that is the only place that I've ever stepped into that I felt like I could be 150 percent my authentic self like I could walk in there after having a really shitty day, cry my eyes out and no one would care. Like they'd be like, all right, like, let's do it. Like there was just so much love and so much freedom there. Um, and that was just like the community that I think we all needed. And maybe at that time didn't really know. I think the more I look back and reflect, like that was a space where so much healing took place. Like you said, like being able to pour our current life situations, like into these characters and like literally work on healing ourselves while like playing like was just so amazing and I think the center has been like a life-changing place for so many people so absolutely I'm literally so thankful for the center and literally just everybody that I've met there 
because of Dino and Tina, who are the owners of the center. Um, it's just so amazing. And like you said, just great to be able to walk in and have that support and that freedom to just be able to be you and have that space and have that second family. It was just so, so beautiful. And I was so grateful that I was asked to be back for Spring Awakening so I could have just a little taste of that again. But one of my craziest and biggest memories that stands out to me is that day in Camp Rock when the power went out. I think about that all the time. We all just sat there in the dark and we talked and we sang and we did it all a cappella and it was just so beautiful and raw. And we all got to just be vulnerable and experience the authenticity of each other. Yeah. And just something that we never get to do <laughs> anymore. Yeah. And I, I'll say it like I'm scared to do. I don't want to take off the mask and be that raw and vulnerable around people anymore. Yeah been there done that been hurt too many times like I just want (laughs) to I'm comfortable with my mask yeah but having that was just so beautiful and something that I still cherish to this day even though that was a little 14 15 year old me yeah that was a really long time ago yeah but like seeing how much you've grown and knowing like the center and just your family and your friends, the people that do love you and pour into you and want you to be your authentic self. Like I've just seen so much growth and it's, it's incredible. And I'm, I'm always just so excited to follow your journey and see all the amazing things you're doing. Um, before we wrap up, I want to ask, like, what can we be looking out for in terms of singing, songwriting? Like, are there any sneak peeks? Like, what, what's going on? Give me the details. Where we, can we find you? Where, like, what kind of music are you making? Just all the things that we can tell the people before you leave. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, okay, so social media, I'm pretty much everywhere. TikTok, Instagram, uh, Facebook, Snapchat. There's a YouTube channel. I don't post there really yeah. anymore. But if you want to find some really embarrassing videos of me at like 15, feel free to go and watch and support. Give it a thumbs up. I don't care. I'm heading there as soon as we log off. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Go to Florida vlog number two. So good. <laughs> um, no, but um, yeah, like I said, pretty much everywhere on social media, pretty much all of it is Topher J. Mm-hmm. Um, Topher, T-O-P-H-E-R, and then J with two Ys at the end. Um, I post singing stuff and music stuff on my Snapchat and my TikTok pretty frequently-ish mm-hmm. sometimes. Yeah. Um, and I'm working on songs, working on music all the time. Yeah. Um, currently working on recording some stuff, mixing some beats and doing some stuff like that. Estimated time of when that'll be out is TBA slash TBD. Right. Um, <laughs> just, but, just stay prepared. Always stay prepared for the launch. Right. It could be any second now. Right. <laughs> um, but I, yeah, kind of like I talked about earlier, I do love to kind of bring that raw emotional edge. And I did make the comment that, that my grandma made about all my songs being sad, but I promise not all of them are. <laughs> she just thinks that everything that doesn't say happy and rainbows and puppies is sad. So, um, but I do like that raw emotional vantage point. I do like 
to let people in and be an open book. Um, I do think it is important to normalize so much of everything. Mm-hmm. Um, I do think you can get to a point and there definitely is a point in the media of romanticizing it and being too aggressive with it. Yeah. And so I try not to get to that point, but I do, I do want to keep my stuff real and I do want to keep myself real. I don't want to, and I made the comment too about a mask, but I, I do like being real too. Um, you know, even though I may be a little sheltered and guarded, I guess might be a better way to say than a mask. Yeah. Um, I may be sheltered and guarded, but I do, I do like to be real and I do like to be authentic and 100% in, in my music. I'd like to say maybe indie rock pop sort of flair, not your yeah. mainstream, same four chords. Yeah. You're looking for something that's probably going to be played on the radio every day. That's going to sound like every other song. That's not my gig. Um, you can have to find some other music, but um, if you do like some kind of fun, kind of indie alternative raw That's stuff, a perfect way to describe yours. Yeah. Yeah. Then I, would, then I would suggest my kind of thing, but we also <laughs> have some musical theater in there. We did have classical voice training in musical theater at a private institution for a year. So, you know, I do have some, you know, theory knowledge and some fun musical things that I can bring and change it up. But yeah, that's awesome. Well, whenever that TBD change to an actual date, we will be promoting you, listening to everything. I am just so excited to just hear you. Anytime you post like your singing videos, I get so excited. Your (laughs) voice just like soothes me and like, I want you to sing me to bed every day. That's all I want. Um, Topher's voice is amazing, y'all incredible (laughs) call me every night then sing you a little lullaby I definitely will from now on um well thank you so much for coming on here and just being so raw and open and you definitely took off the masks today so round of applause (laughs) um but thank you so much and I'm just so excited to keep following your journey and seeing where the wind takes you next so I'm so excited for you well, thank you so much for having me. I've loved being here and I love you. And I'm so happy that I could share my story. And I look forward to hearing everybody else's too. Yes. Well, you are welcome to come back anytime and we can continue this conversation. I love you dearly. And you are amazing. I love you. <laughs> <laughs>